the healing of a boy with a demon. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Thank you, stand up in front of the speaker. Thank you, Jessica. I hate this thing. Good morning. Hi. Oh, this morning I want to talk about faith. Specifically, faith enough. Jessica read that, that piece of scripture. And Jesus tells the disciples they didn't have enough faith. It's odd. The disciples didn't have enough faith. They had Jesus standing right in front of them. We've been through so much these past few years and even more these last couple months between the pandemic, riots, turmoil, fighting, killing, and then all the normal stuff that just pressures our lives in the everyday. It all can make you question so many things. It can make you wonder what your place in all of this is. It can make you worry about what you and your family's future might look like. It can make you question the very fabric of this reality and what makes it up. It can make you question if you have faith enough to get through it all. Faith. It seems like such a frail thing like the wings on a butterfly, that if a child just touches them, it could break and keep it from flying to the highest heights, but instead fall to its death. Faith feels like just one tragedy away from our entire world collapsing. Hebrews 11.1 gives us a glimpse of what that fragility kind of looks like, what faith looks like. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. What is more fragile than the reality that doesn't exist yet? What is more fragile than things that we can't even see? Judas had faith in Jesus. And we see how that ended. 
It was so fragile that it only took 30 pieces of silver to destroy Judas' faith. Then look at Peter and the other disciples. It took the threat of what happened to Jesus for them to scatter, hide, and deny him. And the Bible's filled with so many examples of faith being broken. King Saul, Elijah, Cain, the entire nation of Israel over and over and over again sees their faith crumble. So if faith is this fragile, easily breakable thing, why are we called to it? Faith. The idea of faith permeates our lives. We may not notice it. We might not think of it in that way, but it's there. We have faith in our coworkers that they're going to do their job, at least to some extent. We have faith in our families and our friends. We have faith that the person driving behind or in front of us isn't just going to go off the road and hit us or speed up and hit us. We have faith in our own car that it's going to get us from point A to point B. We have faith that our next breath won't be our last. And we have faith that we will have a meal on the table tonight. Again, all of it can be shattered in a second. No, a microsecond. You could have a heart attack and die. Your next meal might not come. That driver could be a maniac, or it could be their time to go. The point is, you don't know. But you must have faith, right? Why else would we be so flippant and disconnected, so mundane about all these things and more? We have faith that we are going to be there. We have faith that the reality and our understanding of it won't fail. But still, we're called to faith. There's so many reasons why we're called to faith individually. All those reasons are our own, though. We are called to faith by God, but what is his motivation? Love and relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us, and because of that desire, he has made a way for it. Through faith in him and the coming of Christ, who died for our sins. As it says in Romans 10, 9 through 11, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I don't want to go down too far down that road, or at least the road of why, before we look at what faith is. What is the structure of faith? What makes faith? Faith is just belief without evidence, right? 
Well, not quite. If we look back at Hebrews 1, there's also that component of hope. Faith is the belief and the hope. So that's it. It's belief and hope then. No, because the Bible goes on in other places that there's more to it, specifically in James. In James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give the person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Actions. There is no faith. You don't really have it if you don't have the actions that follow up that belief and hope. So again, why are we called to faith? It's a fragile thing that requires not only our beliefs, our hopes, but our actions too. Well, purpose is one good reason. Humanity was put on this earth to steward it, but also to be in relationship with God. That is part of the creation narrative. We see it throughout the first two chapters of the Bible, that God created us from himself. We are made in the likeness of God. And God has a perfect relationship with himself. That's why he's the three in one. And he desires that relationship with us, too. But also, he puts us as stewards over the whole earth, all of creation. But I'm pretty sure we all understand at this point that we, as humanity, have royally messed those two things up. Since those crucial moments in the Garden of Eden We have been cut from our relationship with God and we've done a very poor job of stewarding the earth. Faith. Faith is the thing that fixes that. It's hope, belief, and action. It's faith in God in salvation of Jesus Christ fixes all these things if we let it. You see, Faith, we think of as just this belief. And the world sort of sees it that way too. But the problem is, is faith isn't just a belief, it's hope in action. We see what we hope for and we work towards that hope. That's why I always say we're building the kingdom of God because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Faith is the catalyst within us that makes that come about. So this frail thing we call faith, it supports us so much in our lives, or at least it should. The problem is, 
least when it comes to faith in God. You don't step fully into it. We pull back. We try to rely on ourselves, our own understanding, our own action, our own wisdom, our own strength, and often it's never going to be enough. And the thing is, it really doesn't take a whole lot of faith to do some incredible things. As Jessica read this morning, only faith the size of a mustard seed and you could move mountains, as Jesus said. But often, we don't want to move a mountain. We want to believe that everything is going to be okay. We want to trust God with our lives and our hearts but things seem so terrible. How could we ever entrust our lives and well-being and hearts to something so fragile? How can it be enough? How can it be enough? How can I be enough with faith? And you're not alone in that thought. There are so many examples of people in the Bible not thinking that their faith was enough. We have Abraham who lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister. We have Sarah who laughed when literal angels came and told her and Abraham they were going to have a child in their 80s. We have Jacob who tricked his father into giving him his brother's blessing because he and his mother didn't think he would amount to anything otherwise. Moses didn't have enough faith that God would give him the words to speak to Pharaoh despite his speech impediment. Each one of those names is so recognizable to anyone who spent any time in the church. Yet each one didn't trust that their faith in God was enough to get them through. But these names are recognizable for a reason. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. And if you have your Bibles or your apps, it's going to be small on the TV. Uh, I sort of intentionally made it this way. Um, we're, we're not going to go to Hebrews 1. We're actually going to, or uh, verse 1. But we're going to go to 8 through 30. So if you have your Bibles or an app or whatever, Hebrews 11. 11, 8 through 30. And I'll give you a moment. Hebrews 11, 8 through 30. We're going to be reading a lot of this. It's quite a few, 22 verses, but I think it's important. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him. He lived there by faith, for he was a for like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking towards this, to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation 
came from this one man who was good, who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing that God, what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. The hope of things unseen. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they believed they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he was prepared he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessing for the future of his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, who when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with him when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him from, for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Again, a faith and hope in things unseen. If it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the door's posts so that the angel of death would not kill the firstborn son. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though it were dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So many impossible things done through something so tiny, fragile, and seemingly insignificant. 
And if you continue reading that chapter, you could see that it goes on to other deeply fallen and faithless people. But for some reason, they are all listed in the pages of a chapter fondly known as the heroes of faith. These people who had moments of faithlessness, who didn't trust God, knew. They found out that they couldn't rely on themselves. And they became great heroes of faith. I'm going to call the worship team up. You see, faith isn't about knowing that everything is going to be all right. It's not about trusting that you'll end up where you want to end up. Or things will be fixed the way you want them to be fixed. In the end, it's just about having faith enough to take the next step. paradoxical because Jesus told the disciples that they didn't have enough faith. They didn't have enough faith. Then he held up something about the size of a grain of sand and said, you must have this much faith. I'm sorry, what? Because it wasn't about how much faith they had. It wasn't about the quantity. It was about who they were relying on. Were they relying on themselves? Were they relying on their knowledge? Were they relying on just their their connection, the being called disciples of Jesus? Or were they truly relying on who God had called them to be, who Jesus had called them to be, had faith in Jesus, in his power that he had shown over and over and over again? Much like the disciples, we rely on ourselves. We have faith in the things around us, the reality that we see. But what would the world look like if we relied on faith in Christ? The title of this sermon and this next part comes in part from one of my favorite songs um, by Jars of Clay called Faith Enough. What would the world look like 
if we had faith enough to take the next step. Because it's about looking forward, just going. It's about having faith enough. Faith enough to say that the ice is thin enough for walking. The rope is worn enough to climb. It's about stepping forward and saying, my throat is dry enough for talking, and the bridge is weak enough to cross. The storm I'm in right now is wild enough for sailing. I'm frail enough for the next fight. This land that we stand on is unfit enough for planting. That woman is barren enough to conceive. And I'm, I'm a cynic enough to believe. Because we all have faith enough. We just need to rely on it. Instead of relying on ourselves. Heavenly Father, I know that you've given us faith enough. Faith enough to take the next step, no matter what it looks like. take it. So Lord, I pray. I pray as we leave here, we don't look at the end goal. We don't even look for it. Lord, I pray that we look at the next step and you. Because those are the only two things that matter. And we walk towards you. This morning as we go back into our lives, back into the craziness that Sunday morning end up being a reprieve from. I pray. I hope. I believe.
that we will take the actions that faith drives us to through and for Because, like Jesus said, we need the tiniest, most minuscule amount of it to do the craziest, most unbelievable things. We just have to be willing to use it. We just have to be willing to step into it. So as I pray, Serve the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.